Hello, and welcome to Unhedged, a candid discussion of markets and mechanisms. I am your host, Frank Trois, a 25-year-plus veteran of the markets, both bull and bear. Joining me on the show are market participants ranging from hedge funds to fintech, and as diverse and eclectic a group as winemakers and priests. All of us, like you, asking the same question we all do when we turn on the TV nowadays. Why? Unhedged is a weekly podcast, and on occasion a bi-weekly podcast, based on the subject matter. You can subscribe to Unhedged through iTunes. As always, your feedback is appreciated, both good and bad. So let's get started. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to SohoCap.com slash unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. And uh, no, glad that worked out fine. And, and again, the, the advantage of the system is that it, it, it can pick you up um, locally. So uh, uh, I think the, the audio quality will be a, a lot better than what we're, what we're experiencing. Okay, give me a second. I'll jump right in. I'll just create a small silent break just so they, they know there's a piece here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unhedged. Today's guest is Robert Picard, and we are going to be following up on our discussion earlier regarding alpha hedge funds, and hopefully, time permitting, we'll have some time to talk about uh, the X factor and our current state of the nation with President Trump. And Rob, let me let me pick up where we were we were talking about in the prior segment, and I want to, you know, given just the, just how extraordinary your Rolodex is into the community. Let me give you two examples and, and maybe have you explain to our listeners how they can differentiate them. But on the one hand, you've got firms like Renaissance out on Long Island, just running this massive quantitative engine. They're effectively managing their own money now. They're not even managing uh, you know, external money uh, and literally picking up pennies you know, quantitative pennies all over the place. So you could say that, that, that if there is any arbitrage out there, they're, they're picking it up. And obviously generating returns consistently year over year and made their founders billionaires. On the other end, you've got somebody named Carl Icahn who is, you know, maybe more old school in, in regards to how he approaches things. He's nowhere near as quantitative as, as Renaissance, if at all. And yet he's still able to, to generate outsized returns. So, so how does an investor, as they're looking at this, how do they reconcile, you know, both, you know, both Carl and Jimmy are both older guys, but you have these two older gentlemen consistently generating, you know, consistent alpha, yet their approaches are, are diametrically different in terms of how they're coming out of it. And how is that sustainable? Uh, great, great question. Um, and uh, first of all, uh, you just cited probably uh, two of the, the great examples of, of great money managers who come at the market from a very, very different uh, angle. Uh, first of all, Renaissance Technologies, Rentech, um, which was founded originally by Jim Simons, uh, several others, Robert Mercer, who recently has resigned. Um, what was fascinating about that firm was these were academics uh, and researchers um, in um, speech pattern recognition. 
And they basically adopted and took that speech pattern recognition and ported it over to the financial markets to try to uh, generate or recognize patterns in financial markets and in behavioral finance to generate returns. And their, their strategy um, has evolved considerably. Um, there are, uh, they are actually, so they have their own proprietary money that's managed in their uh, medallion fund, which is only open to employees currently. Uh, but they actually operate now, they run um, billions of dollars for third parties in a traditional long-only a quantitative strategy. And um, I'll get more into how they pick up their pennies and sort of how they come at the market, but at the, at the base, at the foundation of it was traditional pattern recognition, uh, which they studied as related to speech. The second money manager, uh, Carl Icahn, um, is, is really interesting. And I think the best way to describe Carl is um, he's a, what we refer to as an activist investor. And, you know, you and I talk about the concept of generating alpha, either quantitatively or qualitatively, and just basically um, outperforming the market. What's unique about what Carl does is Carl doesn't generate alpha. He creates the alpha himself. And, and think about this, how brilliant it is. He basically goes in, looks at a company, looks at typically a company that's undervalued or, or uh, with very bad management. And this is where really my philosophy um, in investing money on behalf of investors, I always say it's about people. And what Carl basically does is he looks at a corporation, uh, and he's done this over the past 30 or 40 years, looks at management, identifies poor, if not terrible management, basically goes in as an activist and replaces the board, buys shares, and ultimately, actually it's the reverse, buys shares and then looks to replace the board, and ultimately bring about change. That change typically rationalizes the company and ultimately results in a significant stock price um, appreciation. And that's where I refer to as creating alpha, where he basically became an activist and he basically brought about the change and basically brought about the increase in stock price. And that's just a fascinating strategy. Now, it sometimes can be, can, can, um, if other shareholders don't agree with you, it can turn against you. But um, I've got a great anecdote for Carl. Um, do we have time? Do you want me to share the anecdote? Yeah, no, please. I've got a great anecdote of a friend of mine who um, uh, ran uh, a distressed portfolio and was the chairman of a restructuring committee uh, on which Carl was part of the investor base. And I believe it was Carlisle, Carl, and a number of other uh, large firms that were alongside him. And he was chairing this group. And uh, they were looking to restructure the firm. And Carl was being very difficult and wasn't agreeing with them as to um, how uh, he felt they should rationalize and the changes they should make. Um, this uh, friend of mine who was the chair of the group made changes, uh, got buy-in from everybody. And Carl said, listen, I would prefer to see this company go bankrupt than agree to those terms. Huh. Everyone in all the offsite meetings, uh, they'd all go into sort of, you know, after the meeting, they'd all go around and circle up and, and he met with everyone and everyone was like, listen, Carl is not, he loves money too much. He's not going to lose $100 million. He's not going to allow this company to go bankrupt. And um, ultimately, they, they thought they had a very strong hand. And this is very much similar to playing poker. They thought they had a strong hand. And they went with Carl um, to the negotiating table. And basically, Carl ultimately did not agree with them and ultimately uh, bankrupted the company. So Carl lost $100 million. 
and everyone around the table lost $100 million. Um, fast forward a year later, he was again on the restructuring committee uh, and chairing this committee um, of a company, and Carl was part of the restructuring group. And um, he went to Carl and said, um, let's do this, let's do that. And Carl said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And he said, literally, he's never seen a group of individuals come around to Carl's view as fast, because now that they knew that Carl was not bluffing, um, what the result for Carl was, that one time he lost $100 million, but for the next 10 years, every deal he worked on, he was the loudest voice at the table, and he ultimately got exactly what he wanted. And the, the, the profit and benefits that he won from that simple game of poker resulted in significant value add. And it was an anecdote that I think is extraordinary of showing, um, you know, what big finance and, and what it's like to be with the, uh, these big players at the table. Well, and, and to your point, that $100 million, uh, uh, you, you think about the credibility that that bought for him in the market in terms of, you know, when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And I, I love how I can only imagine everybody's facial expressions as they got wind of the fact that, that in fact, no, he was willing to walk away from it and, uh, and, and do that. And, you know, and you bring up a really good point because I mean, for, for, for the, you know, for the folks who are, uh, somewhat neophytes in the hedge fund community. So to your point, if we, if, if they were looking at Renaissance, you would say to them, Hey, Renaissance at the end of the day is looking at a price on a screen, you know, and we're oversimplifying it, but, but they're really not going to go too deep into the, the, the human factor of what's contributing to that price. Whereas t- to your point, Carl's looking at that price uh, in, in that stock price and saying, you know what, I can physically in person show up and do something to, to, to move this. So to, so to your point, I think that kind of manifestation of alpha is actually a really, really interesting way to phrase it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an example of, of Renaissance uh, technologies they're looking at um, thousands and thousands of stocks, um, both buying long and, and going short. And, and they're playing, as you said, for pennies. I mean, very small amounts. And it all adds up to significant returns if they, if, they, if they run their programs and they run their algorithms properly. Carl is just playing in 10 or 15 stocks at any given time and has time to focus, has time to um, look at the people involved, uh, who the players are around the table. And when he does make a meaningful investment in a stock and has a, a good narrative and a good story around it, uh, it ultimately results in significant uh, price appreciation and a value. And then what you have are all the piggybackers, meaning all the people who hear that Carl has invested, uh, whether it's announced on um, um, uh, Jim Cramer's show or elsewhere, it's, it's publicly announced. And very often, though, he already has his position when it's publicly announced, and, and immediately people are going to piggyback and jump on board. And immediately you'll see a stock appreciation just from the news announcement that Carl is getting involved with a certain company. Well, Rob, let, let me use that as a – I'm going to put you in a slightly, hopefully not uncomfortable position, but I apologize in advance if I'm doing it. And, and let, let's actually talk to that for a second because, you know, the the media perception of a – an activist investor, regrettably, is the movie Wall Street, Michael Douglas, Greed is Good. And and when you look at Carl, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this on purpose. There's a, there was a recent book that came out by Scott Wapner at CNBC called When the Wolves Bite. And uh, we'll have a link of that on our site for, for for listeners to take a look at. 
But what stood out to me when I was reading that book, when, when you look at what Bill Ackman was doing, attacking Herbalife, and then on the other side of that fence, you had, you had Carl there, who was 180 degrees away from Bill, taking the exact opposite position. The, my takeaway, and please correct me if you disagree, but, but my takeaway from it was that Bill, at the end of the day, as an activist investor, and again, forgive me for saying this, but was kind of gaming the system. You know, he was trying to create the short. He was applying media pressure and 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 that there seemed to be a lack of thorough substance. Whereas Carl, I hate saying it, it, it I, I get the sense that folks know when he comes in, it's it's not a string of bullshit. Like he's actually saying, you screwed up. You didn't manage the situation well. I'm here at the table. Fix it. And and even, you know, they they they, they gave the analogy in the book of even when he sat down with Tim Cook and they had dinner, that it was a very civil conversation. And basically, Carl was like, look, you're sitting on a ton of cash. You need to do a stock buyback. You need to do something. And Cook eventually acquiescing and saying, you know what, that in fact was correct. But is, it, is there a way to distinguish, you know, could we conceivably say that Carl's a white knight in the community and actually truly doing what's right for shareholders, whereas some of the other guys are just short, you know, and again, they're, they're all very wealthy and very successful, but, you know, are some of them just short-term gamers just trying to play the system and create the trade and then get like, get out of there? And can you distinguish between the two? Frank, um, what's, what is the story? Remember the story of the poker, the poker game where you're sitting at the table and you're surrounded by a bunch of sharks and you're asking yourself, who's, who's the, uh, who's the mark? Right. right. <laughs> you know, That's when you fold up and go of, home. I think yeah, this is the you're kind of putting me on that spot. Um, I, I think <laughs> I, I first of all let's 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 put in context. Carl Icahn has a skill that um, I unfortunately don't have. You have a little bit of it. I've, I've spent quite a few good nights with you. I, I think he has a skill of I, I refer to Carl Icahn as Mel Brooks of the investment world, in the sense that when Carl sits, that's a great quote. People, everyone listens to him. He's funny. He's charming. He's eloquent. And he, he will literally, he's a stand-up, co- he is, he's as good as any stand-up comic when it comes to timing and um, communicating a story and a narrative. And he's very confident. He's very believable. So when he goes up against any, um, uh, whether it's with Tim Cook or anyone else, people will listen. Now, yeah. whether or not you're well-served to always follow on Carl, I probably think not in the sense that um, just as I described the game earlier, where he he preferred to have the company go bankrupt. Um, now let's 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 just think about the people that were ultimately impacted by that bankruptcy. I mean, invariably, there was a large corporation. Many people That's lost true. their job. They might have lost their pension fund. And he did it purely in order to make a point and purely to position himself in a positive light with a bunch of other companies that he would be. Um, rating or attacking sometime in the future. Um, That's a very so, good point. You know, when you when you piggyback with Carl, you just really want to know sort of the inside track. And and I don't think anyone knows. Um, you know, he recently uh, got caught up. He he appears to be one of the um, uh, Donald Trump uh, advisors, at least during the campaign and subsequent to the election. He was involved on a peripheral basis with certain areas of of. Um, I think it was having to do with energy. I forgot exactly which area, but invariably it was something that he was less experienced in. And it's sort of catching up to him where he's, there have been some um, negative news articles and I'm not sure he was, he was equipped or I think he got caught a little bit in, in an area that he's not as familiar with. Uh, that said, 
um, it's, it's really important to sort of try to be on the inside track or understand where he's coming from. On Herbalife, for instance, I'm still not sure uh, what his angle was. It could have been a personal vendetta. It could have been. Yeah, with um, Bill. Uh, it could very well have been that there was another transaction that um, uh, Ackman was was bothering him on, and he was just doing it to to give him a hard time. You know, it's very hard to figure out <laughs> what exactly the purpose was when you know and put in context with his past behavior uh, at liking to play poker, and uh, and sometimes will 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 push hard uh, for even a bad hand. Well, you know, it, it reminds me of that show Billions where uh, – I forget if it was the first season or the second season, but when they were talking about uh, Axelrod at that level having the ability to see the full board. And I think you, you bring up a very good point regarding Herbalife. You know, was that in fact a single issue or was there actually a whole set of other stories around that? And because and, uh, there, there, to your point, there was a lot going on. You know, we're, this, we're both – And this segment was brought to you by Showtime. Now showing right. on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> right. Got to make that phone call shortly. Well, Rob, let's do this. Let, let's use uh, Icon as a segue to the administration. And if you can, do you, do, you, um, do you have time for us to take a quick commercial break with our proper sponsors? And maybe we can come back and talk a little bit about Trump. I welcome your proper sponsors and look forward to uh, speaking again shortly. Perfect. So in the spirit of having a politically correct conversation, let's give our sponsors a chance to... Uh, Make us aware of their wares. And uh, for our listeners, we'll be back with our third segment shortly. Thank you again for listening. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to SohoCap.com slash unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. <laughs> 